Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Hey, it's Scott Lips, and welcome back, my friends, to another episode of Spin Magazine's Lip Service. On today's show, a three-time alumni to the show, my friend and the lead singer of one of the biggest and best multi-platinum-selling rock bands, Bush, he is Gavin Rosdell. And joining us today is my co-host, Kiki Wongo. Kiki, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Scott? I'm great. I'm great. Great to have you here. You're an amazing guitar player, social media guru, and expert in all things rock and roll. So this is going to be fun. This is our first time doing this. I'm excited to get into it. Have you met Gavin before? I have not, but uh, it's definitely a pleasure to be here. So I can't wait to uh, get into this. Yeah, for those of you who have not seen Kiki's social media, she's an incredible shredder. I feel like you might have even covered like a Bush song at some point. <laughs> um, I will now. <laughs> Awesome. Well, for those of you who don't know, because if you haven't seen the few episodes we've done with Gavin before, he sold over 20 million records, Grammy Award nominated, 1 billion streams. He's got a new record out, so we're excited to get into it. We'll talk a little bit about his history, the new record, maybe a little bit about tennis, maybe about his love for cooking. There's a lot to cover. He's a great guy. I actually haven't seen him in a while, so it'll be great to catch up with him. We'll share some stories. Excited in just a moment to bring you our conversation with Mr. Gavin Rosdale of Bush. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Our show today is brought to you by the fine folks at Thursday's Boot Company. You guys have seen me rocking these boots in every other picture I have on Instagram. I'm always repping them. Thursday's Boots is a bootstrap startup that makes the best handcrafted boots and sells them direct to consumer at some of the lowest markups in the footwear industry. Thursday's Boots tagline is highest quality, honest prices because they use some of the best materials like full grain leather, supple glove leather lining, and gold standard Goodyear welt construction. Thursday's Boot Company sells their boots at prices starting at just $149 with free shipping and returns. They've been featured in all the best fashion press from Esquire to GQ to Cosmo and Vogue. More importantly, they've gotten over 20,000 five-star reviews from real customers. Thursday's boots are perfect for people who understand quality and don't want to pay a high retail markup for great-looking pair of boots that are built to last. So check them out at Thursday's Boots on Instagram. My favorite shoes, my favorite boots. You always see me repping them. You'll love it. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Welcome back. We are with the one and the only my friend, Mr. Gavin Rosda. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, thanks. It's great to see you. I know you just actually got back from tour, when, like three days ago or something? Sunday. Yeah. Sunday. Amazing tour. Allison Change, yourself, Breaking Benjamin. You guys never met before, so Kiki, Gavin, Gavin. Pleasure Kiki. to meet you. And, uh, Legend, yeah, let's legendary Shredder. Legendary <laughs> well, Shredder, exactly. <laughs> let's talk about it for a moment. We have a lot to get into, obviously, your history, the new record, the tour, but especially the tour that just ended. I mean... Pretty incredible to see you up there with Alice in Chains performing Man in the Box. How did that feel? Um, it, it was amazing. I mean, I they were like, they were a few years ahead of me, and I was really inspired by them, specifically because, you know, rock music was at that time was, um, I don't know, it was like the guns, the hair metal time. You know what I mean? It's like Sunset Strip. We're on Sunset yes. Strip now. My era. So, so the, well, it just, it just was a bit, it was like that. So... Um, what I liked was with Alice in Chains was like rock music that was done more like punky and a bit more straightforward and not so uh, dramatic, you know? 
Yeah. Drama's good and I, and I love those bands, many great bands of that era, but I meant for me, well, I, you know, I couldn't do anything like that. So when I see it, man, he listened to Man in the Box, I'm like, okay, I see you, I see you. And, um, and what was funny was being on tour with him and playing with him every night that I sort of got even deeper, like, oh my God, that track? Oh, that song? Okay. And you know, you realize what a great songwriter Jerry is and uh, Lane as well. So it was good fun. I always get more nervous. Is it the same for you, Kiki, if you play with people outside of your own band? 100%, yes. For some reason, like, if it's my show, I'm good. If it's a guest appearance, game over i'm practicing for like a month in advance kiki right. we're gonna have you join bush after this <laughs> podcast. Go. Have... we <laughs> could do with the glamour <laughs> <laughs> and also obviously i saw jerry come on stage and i think you guys played come down together too yeah right? he Which came out great. a few times he just had a i think he had a blast with us because we're a slightly different band and obviously and so he just got the thrill of it and that's the ending song and uh, i'm sorry we didn't see you in Irvine. i thought you were i know to I, you know i'd intended to come i just it's like no problem no problem it's, you, it's far it's far yeah. it's far it's far you don't like me that much yeah. cool. <laughs> i do love I, you 30 it's minutes 30 minutes fine but 45 <laughs> oh, three know, hours each way is great. really tough yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure for sure but um it was a blast with him and you know what it's like on stage you can be in front of like 20,000 people, but when you're performing um, with another band, especially another band, uh, I have fun with my own band as well, obviously, but it's a nice moment when you're on stage and you hug each other on stage and you have that personal, you know, Jerry like just punched me like a buddy you know, yeah. a couple of times, like, look what we're doing. What <laughs> so are we cool. doing here? <laughs> That's awesome. And I like those uh, private moments in the most obscenely public uh, environments, you know, because you guys are actually friends. You and Jerry, he was on yeah. the show not long ago. But yeah. how did the tour come about? You were friends, and all of a sudden he was like, "By the way, I have a great idea." How did the tour actually? No, come how about? it came about was uh, uh, Peter Katzis, who's here now. My we know Peter excellent, Katzis, excellent manager. He <laughs> One was of the like, best managers in the business. I'm very lucky. We're talking with Breaking Benjamin about going out with them and uh, trying to steal their audience. You know what I mean? And just like how you do on your on, when you play to people that don't know you so well. And, uh, and likewise, they would uh, steal some of ours. So it, it's a quid pro quo thing. But so, and weirdly in uh, Reno, I went there and I sang uh, Wood by Alice in Chains with Breaking Benjamin. Oh, I saw that. Just yeah. went on stage with so them cool. for fun, you know? And then I found out a few months later or a few variants later, um, it goes, uh, oh, look, Alice in Chains are going on tour with Breaking Benjamin. I was like, oh, that sucks. I thought that was our tour. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, what are we gonna do? And then they were like, you wanna come and play with us? So we went and played with them. And were you rotating time slots in the tour? Hell no, we're, no. I'm a baby band again. <laughs> I got a hit record and I played a 625. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the best baby band in the business. But the good news is that uh, it was generally about between ten and fourteen thousand would show up for Incredible. us, and then it would and then it would fill out for for the others. Or there wasn't that much space, but I, I was like, oh my god, my ego was like crushed. Like, what am I gonna do? Okay, that's it. It's warfare. I'm just gonna like you know kill on stage, and then and there's gonna be no one there anyway. Who cares? You know, it's like, and I went out and it was like really full. And then what that beautiful feeling that when you play it's really looking great it looks like a sort of a decent show as opposed yeah. to like oh my god it's so sort of like okay decent there's big venues uh as soon as you start playing one song in two songs in it's like people come they're like rats coming in from a sinking ship but going back into the fray so it was great for that um and as i say it's kind of fun to to play then and then we were done it's just weird when i play with alice and chains because i have to wait until like 20 past 10 we're all at 6 30. <laughs> everyone's I'm sleeping at that yeah. point that's my voice you know like you've been singing for an hour yeah. and a half it's whatever true. warming up i'm like i had to 
keep keep ready for, to go back on stage and people are on the bus and hanging out the bus is swaying with people hanging out and tequila and woo this is amazing what a great night and I'm like this is so cool I gotta go back on stage right now <laughs> yeah. so uh, get off I, the bus I, I, keep, nah, I, I couldn't do it I just go to the back of the bus and just relax you know well the truth is you actually didn't even get to tour the last record too so you were actually playing songs from both these new records now yeah well I played More Than Machines off of the new record that came out The Art of Survival and that was the only one and yeah this was mainly we just played five or six songs from The Kingdom and uh it, we had the choice of uh, of of playing um, hit songs, uh, which we did a few of, or and also incorporating the new stuff. So it's like you know when people people that didn't know us, I just felt like a riff was way better than a song. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I was like crush them, don't try and anything else. Just like <laughs> yeah. beat them with sound and stuff like that. And plus, I always try and sing in a friendly way over the top of the riff. You know. Yeah, now did the kids come out on tour? We were talking about the mm -hmm. kids right before we yeah, started. Now yeah. they came out on the road with you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They came out and they have an amazing time. They're old enough now that the two older ones got their passes. They can hang out. They know what they're doing. They go around, hang out. Had their friends come out on the road. Uh, friends came and stayed with us as we were like a traveling bus. And uh, my little eight-year-old was just, it was just so sweet. It was brilliant because they, they, every night they had this cool idea as opposed to like 30 pizza boxes for all the crew and the bands after the shows you know how that goes they had a food truck every night it was so much fun and uh, so one night my kid he's eight years old Polly goes he goes to his brother we've got to get off we've got to get off the, the, the food trucks here there's hot dogs free hot dogs <laughs> and I was like free hot dogs I said you haven't paid for a hot dog in your whole life what are you talking about every hot dog everything's free for you life so, is free so uh, so uh, uh, it was amazing with them uh, and uh, we had a, actually had a really good night uh, a few nights ago the food truck didn't show and so my, you tour, cooked, right? my tour manager's boyfriend is a chef a tour chef so i heard that he was um in the kitchen he jumps in the kitchen There's like 40 people to feed and there's no one so i jumped in the kitchen with him you know i like cooking and, yeah uh, and i just was like his super sous chef just like whatever job needed doing to to aid him and we fed like 40 40 50 people it was so fun and all in in the in the big kitchen everyone coming in it was a Amazing. it was a brilliant That's night awesome. well you throw a great party by the way i've been to your house for your son's birthday you threw a Thank great you. birthday party which right. is incredible i want to get into your cooking okay. obviously the cooking show that we're going to talk about and the history and the new record of course and the tour but let's take it back a little bit to the beginning i was actually telling kiki how we met years ago it's one of my favorite stories we've told the story so many times but <laughs> I think the million dollar question is, did you ever follow me back? Because I know at some point you unfollowed me, which is always the most awkward thing in life, right? When you meet I, people, you're like, yeah. when, once we became <laughs> friends, I was in on the invites. I was like, yeah, of course I followed you back. <laughs> yeah. it, just went, it was just that the trouble was, you just, you killed me at the, uh, I think it was the, you know, Jews who rock or guy, dudes in rock or something like that. And I was like, absent. So I was like, we can we can make an honorary Jew. Just give me a bagel, you'll be fine. It's good to go. <laughs> well, taking it back to the beginning a little bit, I was I was actually doing some research today, and we were talking about just between us a little bit when you first started many years ago. Actually, you first started in like a dance rock band, right? I think the first two records you made were more dance oriented. With uh, in, right at the beginning before, of my whole before, life, yeah, your whole life, like taking it back. Oh, to in the Bush, beginning. there was a, before a, Bush, in a Bush. Bush. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Midnight. There was two singles: King of the Mountain and uh, Run with You. And uh, yeah, well, we just finding our way, you know. What I mean, I, who knows what we were doing? I wasn't playing any music then. I was just sort of like 
try to help but without helping i sang all the melodies i don't know what i was thinking would can you imagine i'd be like sing melodies into a phone or the, the tape machine and be like yeah here, here's a song i wrote and be like fuck's this guy <laughs> but i that's what i did yeah and initially it's funny because i was listening to somewhere i think it was nigel or someone that said you know don't go for the high notes right because i think you were unsure about your voice Early on. Well, that was my second band where I was like trying to be super collaborative, which is never a good idea, yeah. really, let's face it. And uh, I said to the drummer, just before we worked out, I said, just a pub gig like in Herne Hill in London. It's like rubbish. It was a fun pub gig. And I said to him, you know, anything I should think about, you know, when I'm doing this show. And it's just like my fourth show of my life, you know. And he goes, yeah, yeah. All good, yeah. Watch the high notes. And I was just like, <laughs> ah, before I went out on stage, watch the high notes. Like, yeah. where, do, where am I in a danger zone? Yeah. <laughs> And so, yeah, let's talk about that a little bit, the early days. So I, it's funny, again, doing doing a little bit of a deep dive today, it's funny. That the first song you ever wrote was Come Down. Mm. And who would have ever thought that that song would go on to become so iconic? So talk to me about the process of actually, you know, forming Bush and meeting Nigel and just getting into songwriting early on in your career. Well, it's weird because, uh, you know, as I said in my first band, I was in two other bands, uh, one mainly, and then one which didn't get any signed or anything. But the first band was signed to Epic. Um, because I had a, we had a, you know, we had, we had potential, right? But, but, um, and, and when I was after the second band, when that guitar player is, the second band I was in is a great guy, but I sort of found out the kind of band I didn't want to be in. It's more straight ahead rock, a little bit more, way more bluesy. And it just, I was like, I don't know. And he wouldn't let me play guitar. You know, I was, I was terrible. I'm not even that good now. <laughs> Nothing like you. So I'm just like, so I was like, it wasn't that good, but it, it somehow, so it was weird because I was sort of stunted. And he goes, no, I'll play guitar. So it made sense. So he played it and I sang and all that. And then, um, and then we broke up. It didn't work, whatever like that happened. And uh, when I was looking for guitar players to work with, I was like, you're kind of pathetic. You're, you're a songwriter. You can't like throw a few chords together. I mean, look, look at these guys busking. Well, they got four chords, three chords here. <laughs> sort right. your life out. So I was like, okay, so I just physically force myself to sit down and uh, and figure it out. When I found that that D goes to the A and then down to the G, I was mm. like, okay, we're we're okay. We're in okay. business. I yeah. see you. Let's go. I see Let's you. Go. <laughs> I got this. I got this. <laughs> and um, that's how it is. And then what's weird is that. Um, at the time, I'd met Nigel, who's an amazing guitar player, but he um, was earning like about $1,000 a day, which is a fortune to unsigned musicians, doing like training videos, like terrible things, you know, like soul-destroying work, but you get paid. And um, Teaching guitar? No, 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 like a, a, a work video, like a sort of, a, you know, people do a, like terrible, like a company does a weekend retreat, right, and they okay. do the, oh, wow. then they do the video of it, and he did the music, there's <laughs> nothing, but he was really good at it, so I said, uh, let's try this band, he said, well, if you have any songs, bring them round, so I kind of struggled through Come Down and a couple of other songs, and I took them round to him, and he demoed them up great, he's really good at it, right, so I was like, cool, so did I pass the test, are we now going to sit and write, like, you know, Jagger and Richards, this is where we're going. Where are we going here? And uh, he goes, no, no, it's better you just write like that and I'll just demo them up, because, meaning he's busy, I wasn't paying him and it was a loss of earnings to take time out for me. So that's how we got into the whole thing with Bush, that I would write the songs, take them to him, and the other the other guys were the rhythm section. We know, they don't, you know, right. I don't know if you care that much about writing songs, but most drummers are like, you know, 
I mean, I do, but it's funny because as a drummer, you have to make yourself useful. So sometimes those, you know, the drummers go on to manage the bands because right. they're not writing the music. And it's like, do something. You don't want to get kicked out. All right, I'll be the manager. So Managed by the drummer. Yeah, it happens. Or I'll stick with Peter. Peter, <laughs> I'm with you. I'm not suggesting I manage you. I'm just suggesting that's what happens sometimes, right? I think a lot of famous drummers like Paul Geary, you know, uh, is a guy that I know that was a, a drummer in a band and he became a manager because they right. just needed to figure out what to do in the band. But you're right. But I mean, when you write a song like come down do you then realize all right this is definitely i'm on to something here obviously well i mean i just it just big there it began you know my whole life my whole vocation and just and 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 now you know I, I do collaborate you know what happens is that uh i'll get you know some people send me music people send me music and if i like something i'm like it's like a like taking time off and like oh, I just do the top line I don't have to think about anything else I'm sure let's see if I like it so it's really fun and like writing with Tyler Bates I've done a few songs like that he'll send a bunch of things over and I'll, I'll respond to something or respond to a bit of something and then we sit in the studio together and push it together where I play music as well but I'm I've written so many songs I'm really happy when someone else does that <laughs> heavy lifting yeah. for a minute you know it's kind of fun and uh, and then there's some other songs uh, situations um, there's a couple on the record May Your Love Be Pure and Human Sand where uh, I write them and then Chris comes in the guitar player and he's really good and uh, with Human Sand which is on the record uh, it's my most bluesy moment actually it's really sort <laughs> of uh, it's just like a what the Black Keys esque Division Three riff, and um, <laughs> and when he heard it, he just moved it around to put some counterpoints, some nice, nice changes. Like bass players do that, where they just go out of the t root notes. You know what I mean? They just they create harmony, they just create counterpoint in it. And he did that, so I'm like, that when it affects a song like that, that's a that's a co-write because yeah. it's uh, it really affects the feel. And uh, so, but it's still. Yeah, so I don't really sit there with acoustic guitars looking in someone's eyes going, well, what are we going to do for the chorus? I can't, I, I've never done that. I don't know how to do that. Too awkward. Yeah. Essentially, even 16 Stone, initially you didn't get a deal. It took a while to get a deal. And then we were just talking about K-Rock, where you just were a minute mm -hmm. ago. The record kind of broke on K-Rock. 100%. Yeah. yeah, so it's come full circle. Look at you now. You just got back, and this is where the record broke. So the first time you heard it on K-Rock, was that like an aha moment for you? Well, it was a funny moment this morning, me and Peter, after I finished the K-Rock, and they, a couple of guys, DJs, walk in and out, and they go, hey, how are you guys doing? Just trying to get a play. Just trying <laughs> to keep it real here. <laughs> standing outside, boycotting K-Rock till they play more the machines. Come on, Kevin. And you're mentioning, Wake up. you're also saying that's funny because people don't go there anymore, right? Because this is No, they like, said that. They, yeah. they hadn't seen any humans for some time there. <laughs> they were kind of surprised. They were do happy you, to see us. Do you like doing all the promo for the record? Obviously, you're in promotion. The record just came out. We're, we're, we want to get into that too. But Yeah, you, it's really fun. I mean, you know, because people are really nice and respectful and, and, and uh, they make me think in a way about myself that would be really weird if I thought about myself <laughs> in any way like that. You know what I mean? And like yesterday I did Zane Lowe and I love Zane. He's so good. He's such a smart interviewer. And he just was so uh, kind to me and, and, and complimentary that I was like, I felt great all day. It was yeah. great. He gave me a boost. So it's fun, especially when the record's good. Like if we did a poopy record, I'd be like less inclined probably. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I know. Well, better <laughs> luck next time. Well, the record is great. Let's get into it, obviously. The Artist Survival <laughs> just dropped. The, the, you know, the album title is so apropos right now to with everything going on in this world. And we just, I remember when you and I were hanging out a bunch 
you know, you didn't really want to see many people during the pandemic, but I feel like I did see you. Mm -hmm. We'll get into your cooking because you made me this incredible <laughs> lunch. But everybody was like afraid, and you especially. I remember we, when we first started talking about it, you would say to me, you know, we didn't know if you could get it from a tree. Right. Like, we were, remember that point where it was like oh, everyone was so... Washing your groceries. I'd go anything. up the stairs, feel my knee, go, oh, my God, I got it. I think I got it. Oh, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just didn't know. We would never have done this like two years ago. This just was not a thing where you would right. have all these people in a room. Well, we could be in separate bubbles. Yeah, we could have you know <laughs> I mean? had like Pods. hazmat suits or something <laughs> yeah. but but does the you know obviously the title of the record the artist survival talk to me about how that came about because we all even to this day right we're still like just surviving coming out of this thing and and looking where we're at in life i think everyone's pretty grateful that we're able to do things like this yeah so, you know it's it's, it's extraordinary you, you like you could literally talk to anybody on the street in a restaurant in a bar wherever you meet them on a plane and you will hear a story of great survival some weird challenge terribleness and you feel terrible for them and i just felt like collectively especially since we've been on we've been on australia europe and now now america on tour this year um since march and i just saw the gathering of all these people and i just thought about all these separate lives that came that come together for that night for that band um and i what's weird about the record is that it's uh, you know, I went through a lot like everybody, but I went through some crazy stuff. And I think that it, when you can uh, take off as many layers as possible to within yourself when you write and you get as honest as you can, like bare bones, like uncomfortably honest with yourself and certain things you think about. <laughs> and and uh, that's when, in a strange way, it makes it more universal. The, the more personal you get, the more likely you are to strike a note, I think, with other people who have that same journey they've been on in a different uh, perspective, but similar effect and emotional kind of devastation and, and concern. And uh, so I love the whole thing of album title and names and stuff like that. And um, when I thought about the art of survival, I was like, oh my God, this, that that's it. And uh, then you do that really scary thing where you do a search to make sure who's had a big record called that you know right. seven other artists there's so many records out you feel you know it can happen and uh it was it was okay we we got through that um and i did see a couple of people would use that phrase but i was like you know what i would never steal it from anyone but if you thought of it and it just happened that they also did i'm okay with that because mine was so real you know what I mean? It's not. It's not a lie. If we, yeah. if I'd been sort of in, my, in an ivory castle uh, uh, with a, you know, servants and stuff like that, and away from it all, then I wouldn't have the right. But I have the right. And, and by the way, the the meaning of this record takes on such a new meaning in what we're going through now in this world, right? So did that have some kind of factor when you decided to call it with what we were all going? Yeah, through? because I mean, lots of it. I mean, I talk about human sand. It's like, it's like how important we are to each other, yet how sort of insignificant we are in the scheme of things. Yeah. And we are just grains of sand, you know what I mean? But we have these lives and we orbit around each other and we try and do the best we can. But there's a kind of irrelevance and, and there's a fragility to us because we're all pretty replaceable yeah. and, and irrelevant. It's <laughs> so, true. Yeah. true. <laughs> More Than Machines, an incredible single. Obviously, Elon Musk just came out with this robot. I mean, again, taking on a whole new meaning with what's going on. So, amazing song. I always told you, like, Chemicals Between Us is one of my favorite songs that you do, mm -hmm. and I love the combination of, like, the electronica <clears throat> and the rock side of things. So, 
Kiki, I'm sure you'll agree it's an incredible track. Oh, 100%. I, I listened. To, it was actually the soundtrack to my ride here as well. Oh, it sweet. took me about like 40 minutes to get here, and I was like super soaked. I love the flow of the album. It's just, it's incredible. So, yeah. So, talk about the single a little bit and, and you know, where that came from. Uh, it's one of those annoying things where, you know, you get harassed by the label to. That's great. Thank you for these the twelve. Actually, we sent three tracks in, and then we sent the whole record, and they said, you know, what else have you got? Anything else? Is maybe something you know? So I was I was pissy for a few days, not long. I had three days of pissiness <laughs> because he like just know there's a catch twenty two that if they push you, uh, you could come up with something better. Then they're right, and they've they you know, so it it works uh, when it works, and uh, it was weird because I got asked that I pissed and moaned for like two days and then I wrote it on the Sunday and so it was really quick the turnaround between being attacked like that you see how <laughs> as an artist they call it being attacked <laughs> yeah. they attacked me trying to make my <laughs> record great you write yeah. ahead, it's whatever it takes right? so uh and what's weird is that whole Roe versus Wade thing had happened and, and it was weird how it sat on my in my system mm. I just sat in my system as a you know, a father of three boys and a girl, and I want my boys to look after, be respectful to women, and I was just like, it just really sat with me. It was like a thorn, um, and I and so I was actually really happy to uh, get the opportunity to put that into the song. So I was like, okay, let's see, this maybe this is the one I can get it right on that, and so that's what that was, and uh, and then the the machine stuff is just sort of just what we live with and mm. how it is and we're all being replaced you know? yeah. so it's like what's <laughs> happening uh, shredders aren't they haven't <laughs> that, right, don't worry. hopefully your, your, your job's safe Knock on wood. the rest of <laughs> us drummers are for sure oh. drummers <laughs> not <laughs> unless you're a manager <laughs> that's true that's true well it's interesting I mean we were talking about it a little bit you work with Tyler Bates on the record and I think that you had to have like a lunch with him before you actually decided to work with him yeah he was a he had a, he had a, 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 a sort of a interesting selection process you know which is why, yeah, because we had a lunch together. We had together. two lunches. Yeah, like that's, how, I guess that's maybe a thing with you. Steve Albini, you had a lunch. That's yeah. like a thing. You have to have a lunch before you well, decide to. Well, you know, when you to, break bread, it's, <laughs> right? it's all good, you know. It's <laughs> a nice way to do it. So it was the kind of thing where he wanted that you had lunch with him. Were you unsure about working with him initially or, and then it just With Tyler. Of, yeah, with Tyler. Well, I was a bit standoff. I didn't know, you know, and it was Peter's idea. And um, we sat, we went to the grill on the alley and we had a kind of fun adult lunch and and, but what's funny is I think we had a second lunch. I was like, damn, I didn't get through. What's going on? I've got to step up my charm. Um, and uh, it turns out that, you know, we became really, really good friends. And um, he lives five minutes from me. And I love the way it works. Like, I, I like to work quick. And um, so he does about two, three films at a time and a TV show, three TV shows. He's got three studios running in his house. It's a very, very... Um, kind of uh, busy environment great people great engineers all working there and so when you go in the first day I went there to when I first met him after after the lunches um, <clears throat> he uh, I was thinking well, I'm going to the studio I've got my tea I've got the water self-sufficient I'm not going to bug anyone I'm here this what 12 14 hours I don't know what this guy's going to do because it's not normally how I say like how I work so I was like so I went there and uh, he was feeling a bit like uh, I think it, you know he was like having me there so he's trying to make me feel comfortable and he um, showed me this new pedal he had I think a depressor this depressor pedal right that's a thing so, a depressor yeah, a, a depressor, depressor. <laughs> yeah it's great right, on, right up my street what a, right <laughs> on my street and um, and uh, he pl showed me it and I just I took my phone and just like as he's playing I just took the riff he was playing 
happened to that and then uh, we stopped and then I was like that's cool yeah cool pedal uh, it's depressing and, uh, <laughs> and then um, he played me a, three things that he'd written in preparation you know some ideas and I was thinking I was like hmm I don't know if that's quite because I was looking for stuff I couldn't possibly do because there's no point if I could completely do that. I was like, "What am I doing here?" There's yeah. my, a lot of my ego involved yeah. here. But I was like, "Because you, know, you have your own studio at your house." Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. So I didn't need to be there. I just was <laughs> right. intrigued about the connection. And uh, he's played the three things, and I was like, "Well, you know, it's cool." I said, "But you know what I really like?" And I played him his riff back. I was like, "That riff is cool. Let's work on that." So he goes, "Okay, great. Well, let me work it up and just, you know, do you want to come tomorrow?" And I was like, "Ooh, I was out there in an hour." I was like, perfect. You know, <laughs> who doesn't like leaving work early? Yeah. So, um, and then every time I went, so then we'd have an exchange and then he'd, if he'd send me the music, he goes, oh, this is what I did, check it out. So then I come up with a top line and uh, a, another section or something myself. And uh, so I go the next day and I'm just warm up in the car because I know he's so busy. So I warm up, I walk in, I'm, I can walk on the mic and I can get going. I'm yeah. like, I go, I got time, your time is limited. And, uh, so that's how we do it, and so I love working with him. He's really amazing, and uh, as I say, he's like he's one of my best friends. Because for a record like The Kingdom, the process was a lot different for you recording it, or was it? Yeah, I don't know, what was that? Oh yeah, that was um, me sat in my studio in um, North Hollywood, like with a poor engineer who just <laughs> sit there, and I'd be like, you know, I'd be like, okay, just let me play this riff, I'm gonna find it, you know, like 10 hour days, you know? And then on this record, I because I set my studio up in my house, I would do all that stuff, exploratory stuff myself, so I can, I can record myself to, uh, make songs and then I don't do vocals because I just cannot be that guy and recording myself <laughs> lonely Joe you know get a, get a symbol on my back or something like that you know like one man band I don't mind that so um, uh, that's how I worked and uh, this record was like getting the song I had to get my song stuffed together for a week then I have the engineer for a week and then and they keep flip flopping Awesome. And so, and Kiki, you may not know, but Gavin is an incredible chef, just to sidebar for a moment. That's what so I he hear. made me this amazing lunch. I guess it was uh, probably a year and a half ago, and I got to see how incredibly talented you are in the kitchen. Um, we should talk about it a little bit because you weren't aware, I don't think, right? Um, well, I didn't remember. So we did something called Heavy Metal Kitchen. So we recorded it. And basically, Scott made me eggs like his signature eggs but he did drop your name a couple of times okay. because one of like the taglines was low and slow and we said that several times and i'm like low and slow do you remember you gave me advice on how to cook eggs during the pandemic oh. you wrote me a note and you said <laughs> just so you know you got to take it off the heat and then stir oh, it yeah this is not this is not me name dropping this right. is actually a real you know real-time thing that happened <laughs> and so i was like yeah i really didn't know i mean I, I you're saying your eggs were a bit stiff or something i seem to remember <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i was like i can help you with that <laughs> it was a good tip though it was and they were delicious by thank the way. you well courtesy of uh yeah so but but talk about a little bit about your love for cooking and obviously this new show that you're working on i i think you had tom jones over and, and you guys had worked on some yeah well i've done i basically shot this pilot uh, three years ago it's been impossible to make it's really hard to get going in tv from from a, a, a flat non-running start you know not being in tv and i've gone through different uh, people helping me to sell it you know the sort of agencies or, or you know uh, showrunners yeah and uh so i went through two or three and they never quite got it done and um now i, I signed with a company a few months ago 
and I think we're they're pretty close close to finishing a deal so we're actually going to make it because I've been talking about it and they put out a huge press release when I signed with them as the kind of shopping deal thing and everyone was freaking out this is great when's the show and stuff I was thinking oh my god still shopping it yeah I was like is this a wee little premature here you know and so it, it um but Hopefully soon. I was hoping that I'd shoot it in November, but but um, the premise being you cook with other it's celebrities, really right? Simple. No, yeah. it's really simple. I just invite someone that people know, a famous person, a celebrity, and I bring make dinner for them and uh, ply them with wine if that's what they like, or green tea if they prefer, you know, whatever, yeah. and just find a way to talk to people that um, it's not about selling something. It's not about uh, anything other than what makes them tick and what's sort of under their the bonnet of their spirit you know like what who are they and uh so it was fun to have uh, amazing to have tom jones you know talking about his childhood and his dad was a minor and what went on there and how he's uh, like so hard working he's 83 incredible 83, still on tour yeah incredible. I, 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 when i when i go to london i i always try and see him but it's hard when he's on tour. <laughs> it's like the guy, he's unbelievable. Yeah, he's incredible. And so we had a great time, um, and I had an amazing time on The Voice with him as well. You know, I worked with him for five months on The Voice in London. So that's how I got to know him so good, and I was like, hey, would you do this for me? I mean, it's pretty spectacular to get him as a guest. Yeah. Because, uh, uh, he doesn't do much, easy. I feel. He doesn't do much. No, and you know what's incredible is to have um, all the footage of him and all of his perspectives and jokes and drinking his Bollinger and smoking cigars and it's just killer. Have you ever been like intimidated to cook for someone in the kitchen? Like an amazing chef that you're like, I don't want to cook in front of Gordon Ramsay here. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I'm a pretty relaxed. You know, the thing is, I, 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 I when I, I'm into it so much, and I enjoy it so much that I, unlike going on stage singing other people's bands, I don't. I, you know what I mean? It's, it's all right. I, I, I can t cook and talk, yeah. and it's not really. And I don't. I'm the opposite. You know those kind of cooks that like, oh, just get out of the kitchen, everybody. I can't <laughs> think straight. You know, like like the, those joyless, joyless yes. cooking. I think <laughs> cooking should be joyful and fun, and and uh, and it's not. Uh, my thing is is going to be a cooking for people. It's not collaborative. I don't ask people to come around and, and you know, stir that. Not about no, I'm not into that. Mostly Italian, I would assume, because when I came over, you made me this incredible pasta. I made you a pesto genovese. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I made you with the with the green beans and the potato, exactly. especially to show you. I love how you remember that. Way. I don't even. Yeah. I can't even I remember, remember that. <laughs> I want to try. <laughs> but mostly uh, Italian. Would you say that's sort of where you, where no, you focus no, on? No, I mean, memory? I mean, I I love to cook Italian, but I mean, on the show, for instance, there's so many so many times I can use pasta, so True. I've got to be careful. <laughs> uh, I just. I think the secret for me that I find is just finding the best ingredients and just getting out of the way of them and just like working them enough. Uh, and uh, it's just details. It's uh, cooking to me is a process. You yeah. know, even the most uh, complicated cooking is really when you break it down, it, it's a process. Sure. And once you've figured the process, you can. It's all malleable. You can move things around and change proteins and change vegetable. We you know whatever and. Uh, what I, I, I'm obsessed with it. I just love it so much because I love the details that go in it. Like, I lo you know, you know, you Kiki knows, you know, you, you, well, Kiki's the guitar player, you're the drummer, but it's like, you know, the records are details. Yeah, of course. So many details. It's just like, oh my God. <laughs> you know, you've got 32 tracks on every song and everything's yeah. got to be considered. And it's nothing, not dissimilar in cooking. That I think people just get flustered with cooking. And if when you break it down, you relax, you enjoy it. 
Yeah, it's, and it's and you not have so many, beyond I, most people. Yeah, I was going to say you have so many amazing friends and so many great people that you know, actors and people you're friends with. So, do you have like a dream list of people that you'd want to cook do, for but coming I, but, up for the show? But, you know, you know, I'm English, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I think so. Yeah. I don't really like uh, <laughs> I don't like leaning on people. All right, yeah. It really makes me feel super awkward. Yeah. I know a bunch of people through the years, but I'm just horrified about asking, asking them. Yeah. 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 So I if do. the show comes up, the network will get the gas. <laughs> You'll just be like, "Well, I hope that's been always been my sort of Achilles heel with it." Yeah. To be honest, of like, I, I, I'm, with everyone that I meet, I'm like, "Oh, straight up, I'm not, you know, I'm not ransacking my phone <laughs> right. to get people to help me." Yeah. You know, I think that once it gets going and people see it, that it's a, it's basically a fluff piece because sure. you get to come and talk about yourself in an interesting way, and I'm only gonna we're only gonna edit and make people look good. So there's no point in having someone on there who has a terrible time, doesn't enjoy the food, and oh look at these terrible sides of person X. No, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's like it's really it's meant to sort of uh, show people um, who people are. I did notice that um, Kevin Hart has that show where he drinks wine oh, and right. sit there right, and right. drink wine and yeah. you know that um, this is different mine's way more it's a bit more relaxed it's yeah. super relaxed yeah, because yeah. you're there for the eve it's like I cooked the one the two days I did it I did 12 to 6 of the cooking and I'm talking to the to the uh, director um, about what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and all that stuff you've done like two so far right I've done two yeah, yeah. So. and then um, and then at 6 o'clock the guest arrives both days I did it uh, someone arrives and that's, then it's real time then you come in you have a drink they're filming that then you have you know what I mean it's, yeah. like, it's real time and so they're leaving at 10 so it's uh, that's how it is definitely well let, let's talk about one other thing how's your uh, tennis game by the way uh, my tennis game um, it's it, it's good I haven't been playing for a few months because I've, I've been touring and uh, so I'm, my body is rested and ready to go. <laughs> and a lot of people don't know that Gavin's like almost like a pro. I would say you're like tennis pro level, right? Really? Because I hit next to you once and I was like intimidated. I didn't want to get anywhere near the court. You were incredible. And, and uh, I do very few things and I try and do them well. Tom Waits said that the way you do anything is the way you do everything. True. So That's I just true. minimize the amount of things I do so that I can <laughs> do those things well. Well, you're friends with Roger Federer. Have you guys ever hit together? Yeah. And and I'm assuming that who won? Did <laughs> well, we don't go all the way down you to sets okay. because I don't think there's much point. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I can. You know, I, I, he's he's broken sweats. Yeah, what can I say? <laughs> and let's talk a little bit about the tour coming up. Are there more dates coming up uh, this year, next no, year? No, I'm unemployed. As we You're speak. unemployed. Well, I'm not really worried about that. I, I'm running out of things. Like <laughs> once this promo stuff is done, I'm literally That's unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, New Year's Eve, uh, we're playing um, in, in in Las Vegas. And also on the thirtieth, I'm playing somewhere near Las Vegas. So it's uh, yeah. it's adjacent. <laughs> so I've got Las two Vegas shows adjacent. left. Two? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we play Las Vegas on the thirty, uh, uh, somewhere on the thirtieth, and then the thirty-first for New Year's Eve. We play. What's weird is we play on this in the street, like a big street festival. All oh, right, the ones that are downtown where they have that whole. Yeah, I think, I think so. But what's weird is we go on at like eleven uh, forty. We stop for. New Year's Eve, do the countdown, and then continue on and play for another, whatever half an hour. And the set list is—is is it a hard? Is it hard to come up with the set list? Having so many great songs at this point, two new records, right? I think you're only doing more than machines from this new record yeah. currently live. 
But is it hard to come up with the set list when you have so many hits? I mean, I'm not trying to yeah, just for sure. tell you you have so many hits, yeah, but thank you. I think uh, the world knows you have so anybody, many hits. Does anybody <laughs> say the word, that terrible word? You know, it's that terrible word. Maybe Kiki's thinking of it. I don't know. Med medley? <laughs> terrible. We need to get an MD in, you know. We need to get an MD to kind of like strip it around, like jazz <laughs> funk it up, get some jazz funk breaks and just uh, switch some, <laughs> combine some songs. Um, yeah, well, it's a, it's a high-class problem. But what we don't do is we're useless. We don't rehearse enough. Right. So if we ever, ever spend the time, like two weeks rehearsing, you could work out, I've said this for so many years yeah. that no one in my band listens to me. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> and, uh, but you get like, you know, five sets, you know, one yeah. to five. Yeah. And then you just, you, you work out a beautiful set, different, you know, five separate. And uh, it's just me. It's just, I'm like, I'm like a frequency to them when I say that. They go, like, yeah, yeah, cool. And then you kind of hone in on what you want to play. And then that's kind well, of Because ideally the audience always wants to hear, you know, the, the memorable songs and, and the hits but it's a combination ever, yeah. yeah I mean do you ever think about it? do you ever dig deep and are there do you you know do you get along with the other band members in terms of like are you on the same page with the set list all the time or not? yeah yeah yeah, I get, yeah. They're, they're great I mean one thing about my band which I'm so happy about is that we genuinely really like each other yeah you know we get along great That's with tough. friends it's tough <laughs> it's really tough I mean, in a we band. really <laughs> get along great and so it's like a family it's ironic when you well, there's certain bands that are usually, it's usually the right on the PC ones, the cool ones, you know, and then they have a rift in the band where they not don't talk to each other, but they just want to go out and, and, and play. Mm. I just find that really weird. I mean, I wouldn't want to be on stage with someone that you I, hate. I didn't like. Yeah. No, no, yeah. I wouldn't like that. I've had a couple of times where once or twice, like one time I woke up from a Xanax and I was all pissy and I shouted at Chris about something. I, I really didn't need to, right? And then the whole gig, I was trying to sort of connect with him during the show and he's sort of oh. like, <laughs> he just he wouldn't have it. So <laughs> would not have it. I was like, oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> you know, so I was like, please let me back in. I'm just, yeah, I'm sorry. But they're generally just, your friends. I mean, I see the way that you are promoting oh, some of their solar, you know. Oh material. my God, yeah, no, we, we even we even socialize when we're not working. Yeah. Imagine that. Who they're, knew? They're at the Who knew it was possible? <laughs> yeah. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. Course, I love them. And any more uh, acting coming up? I guess we could talk well, about... Uh, I have heard that Constantine 2 is being made, so our next call is to Akiva um, to be like, put me in that movie. Exactly. But I don't know what's happening there. So I hope that they bring my character back, Balthazar from the Dead. It's a movie. Of course they can. <laughs> yeah. I died in a world swirl of modern filmmaking, so they can... I just rewatched that last night, by the way, and oh, it was yeah. so. I you feel do. like I know you so well because I've like watched all these videos, and I'm just like, oh my god! You gosh. do. That's all there is to me. <laughs> yeah, incredible. What was it like um, being on that movie, by the way? Because I know that there's this huge Marvel boom. They're doing all of these like comic book um, adaptations now, and you, that movie was actually one of the first before that whole boom. Right. Like, what what drew to you to the project? Well, it was w one thing that I realized as I was driving to work on the first day that, that I was like the least experienced person on the whole set. It's a $100 million movie, and I was thinking everyone has way more experience than me. And I actually grew up with Rachel Weisz uh, in oh. London. You know, I knew her for, for a long time. She's a good old friend, like, a, a, you know, she's a great, great girl. And... Um, I went up to her after the reading. I was like, "Listen, I'm so sorry. I'm re I really don't want to screw up your movie. I know this is your big movie, but I'm going to really, I'm going to know my lines. I'm going to show up on time. So don't worry. Rest assured, I'm going to take it seriously. So it was so much fun. And then Keanu, Jaiman, Honsu, you know. Yeah, you maintained, a, I think, a friendship with Keanu, right? We talked about that last. Well, time. I, because I, I did the with uh, bullet holes. Yeah. 
John Wick. Exactly. And so I was back on the coattails of, of a Warner Brothers big movie. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> I'm awesome. back in the game, fellas. <laughs> and uh, hanging out with Keanu. And uh, it was, I, he's, he's, he's amazing. I love him. So let's definitely petition to bring you back from the dead on this second. Well, I only, only started by me. I'm the only side. <laughs> we'll find right now. We're there. Me and Peter. That's it. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll all chip in. Okay, yes. we've got four signatures now. <laughs> There'll be more. One, one Lisa, last thing Lisa, I'll talk Lisa, about. Uh, <laughs> everyone, Lisa, everyone here. <laughs> one last thing I want to talk about. I know you've spoken about Woodstock 99 before, but obviously the movie's out just not long ago. And, and you know, let's talk about a little bit about your experiences at the festival and what it was like and everything that, you know, people have been talking about it since the movie came out again and sort of reliving the past. So talk to me about what it was like back then and, and sort of reliving that time period for yourself. I know you're a huge well, like, Hendrix fan. and Well, exactly. And so being that I watched that documentary from 69 about 1,300 times, when we got the you know got 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 booked for that show i was like this is amazing you know like we're really part of culture and this is our response or this is the like it's the passing of the torch and uh, it was a bit embarrassing when i saw the documentary that all the guys who ran it ran it were like so sad the only person that didn't really get what was going on was gavin <laughs> he's trying to promote this like great community <laughs> meanwhile everyone else is like you know punching each other out and like Ugh! bro culture was like full force but that's good as a whole i mean they you know i love both those bands yeah. a lot they're fantastic bands and they they i love them live i don't want to run into another dude when right. i see them live you know i don't want to join the mosh but it doesn't make me feel that yeah. but I love those bands, you know. West Borland, one of my favorite guitar players of all time, he's incredible. Um, but your experiences at the festival were much different than some of the. Yeah, well, stuff. we'd been in a bubble in London, actually recording the science of things and recording uh, chemicals between us. And I was in two studios in London at Mayfair Studios. There was Primal Scream, Blur, Oasis, everyone in the pub right there as the whole London scene was happening. And I'd just been living in Ireland, writing the record. So I was writing there in Ireland. Then I, and then, um, then, then I went to go and do play Woodstock. And I love not knowing what the stage looks like. Mm. I have this sort of weird thing. I love not looking out. And so on that one, I remember, I think that the, the, it was like at the back, almost like, um, you know, ski racers, you know, they're sort of in the, the gates. Uh, I, I was there and I went on stage and when I saw the crowd, I was like, oh, fuck, <laughs> that's a lot of people. It was like as far as you could see. Um, so I got a rush of adrenaline and nerves and stuff like that. And, um, just, you know, tried to do a good show, you know, and uh that was it. And so someone said to me the other day, hey, well done. You really managed to bring the crowd down after corn. I'm like, well, I wasn't actually trying to bring them down. <laughs> entertain them in a different way, right. maybe. Yeah. I was trying to not promote any violence. I was just trying to promote a community. Everything that we talk about now. Yeah. Have you seen the documentary, by the way? I did. And yeah. honestly, I, I loved your performance the best in that whole documentary because that's what the energy needed. It needed that like, um, it, and it wasn't like a like it was a very peaceful moment. I think right. the crowd needed. I wasn't trying to fight anyone. I was having a great time. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I couldn't believe it. I'm here. Hendrix was here. Yeah. yeah. What am I? I'm not going to fight anyone at that night. I'm yeah. like, <laughs> how did I get here? I was just uh, blown away that I had the, you know, that I was honored to to play uh, something like that. Yeah. Um, and I think obviously by Saturday and then by Sunday night it went to a 
whole different place. Yeah. And I was going through in the documentary, I felt terrible. I was like, I did not get this complete memo. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, and they go, what do you remember about this show? You know, from 19, you know, from, what is it, 23 years ago. Yeah. I was like, the catering was pretty good. <laughs> you know, I don't know what I remember. It was great. What were, you th what were your thoughts in the movie in general when you, when you watch it now? Um, whenever you talk about people, you know, there's gang rapes, you just you talk about the yeah. victims. So yeah. I just was like horrified and humbled by the fact that somebody somewhere or people uh, still probably live in that PTSD. So mm. I just was like, it's not about anyone but the victims after you bring that kind of information Definitely. into the room. So I was like, I didn't know what to say in the, in the when I was being interviewed. I was like, how long is this interview going on? Because yeah. you've beaten me out of anything to say. Yeah. What can I say to follow that? Yeah, definitely. Well, on that note, um, definitely check out the new record. It's incredible. So if everyone has not picked up The Art of Survival, do people pick up records now? Or they I hope listen so. To records As you said that, I was thinking, the thanks, record. Scott. We yeah. wish, we hope that. My yeah. mom maybe, but I don't know. <laughs> well, I think people, I mean, is it coming out on vinyl? Is it on vinyl? It's good. Yeah, we're doing the vinyl. Okay. We're doing the vinyl. So pick up the vinyl for sure. Yes. It's an incredible record. There's some amazing songs in it. One of my favorite records you've made. Thank you. uh, and definitely when you play in town or even two hours away, I'm coming next time <laughs> for sure. It's all good. I definitely so also want to, yeah, I think we need to catch up properly too and do an, another like lunch and, and and maybe Gavin will cook for me again. Kiki, maybe yes. we'll invite you. You'll see what a great chef he to. is. And I, I'd love to see the show. So I feel like it's called Eat, right? That's the name of yeah, the, I mean, it's, title it's, of the show. It, yeah, well, it's called Eat and um, Eat with Gavin Rostock, which means everything always tonight. Amazing. And don't forget New Year's Eve. By the time the show comes out in a couple weeks, I think all the details of New Year's Eve will be ironed out. They'll be announced. Everything will know where you're playing. So definitely check out the New Year's Eve show and the show right near. I think there's a show right before New Year's Eve, too. Peter Katz's is. Uh, there so, yeah, so there was a show right before. Pleasure to see you, my man. Always nice fun. It's great. And uh, let's do it again soon. Anytime. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you Thank for you. having me. Thank you. This is Lips LA. Well, that was fun. I think I have no problem letting Gavin into the Jews Who Rock uh, you know, team or something that he said. <laughs> he, was, he felt like he wasn't part of. So I'm happy to let him in. And yes. Kiki, it was great having you here. Thank you so much. Which was awesome. You know, we found out a lot about Gavin we didn't know. And now that you know he's a great chef, He's great at tennis. Everything. I mean, what does he not do? <laughs> I think he does it all. By he the way, you know, you could hear how passionate he was about food and the new record. So definitely check out the new record, The Art of Survival, out now. Check out the New Year's Eve gigs coming up. Excited to have you here, Kiki. And if you like the show, please make sure to rate and review the show. If you want to give it 10 stars where you can give five only, I don't care. Just make sure you get in there and review it. Very helpful to us. Looking forward to this next month. Have a bunch of great shows coming up for you. Thanks for tuning in and see you soon. Hey, howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and Western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.